Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Dismiss the kids. There's children's church, so let me just pray for our children as they go to learn. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the children that you've given us. We thank you that it's your will for us to have godly offspring, O Lord. I thank you as we send them to learn your word and to, to fellowship together as young children do. Uh, I thank you that they just, you open their hearts and their ears, even at this age, to receive revelation from you. I thank you that the words that are taught to them stay in their hearts as they go, grow up in you, O Lord. As they face the trials and tribulations of life growing up, that those words stay steadfast in them and always bring them back home to you, Father God, and always keep them on the path that, that leads to more, like, more Christ-likeness. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay, we are going to read Exodus 14 today, the whole chapter. Um, it's, it's a, well, I'm not going to teach on it. I'm just going to read it. When anybody gets there, let me know. Exodus 14 is out of the ESV. Got it? I got two guys. Anybody else got it? Got it? Got it? Everybody good? Okay. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and camp and encamp in front of Pihahiroth, between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them and I will get the glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord and they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him, and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and camped at the sea by Pihaharoth in front of Belzephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt, leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better to, for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Then Lord, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it, that the people of Israel may, make, may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so that they shall go in after them, and I will get the glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of the Lord, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their, left, on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning, watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us free from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So 
Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptian, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Thank God for the reading of the word. Go, PD. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. And Father, I thank you, none of me. Actually, Lord, I pray that you'll flow through me. Think through my mind and speak through my lips. Thank you for your anointing. It is the anointing that destroys the yoke. And Father, I thank you that I'm clothed with the anointing that's from on high. Lord, you told us to, you told your disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they receive power from on high. And I thank you, Father. We receive this anointing that changes everything. Give your name glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you also to remember there is a, a family that, a woman of God who went home to be with the Lord, um, Angel Garrett Carlos. She, she actually went home at 5.30 this morning. Um, please keep her family in prayer. Um, she was very instrumental in my life as a little boy. She sung at my mom and dad's wedding. And, um, and I patterned my wedding after her wedding. Um, and so I want you all to lift up. She has two sons and grandkids, so lift them up. They're very dear to our family. Um, we, we, I've known her since I was little, and um, she's such a blessing. And Courtney actually was featured on one of her albums um, and her husband's album. Um, and just keep that family up in prayer, Okay. Today, we're going to talk about etern the, the eternal fruit of prayer, the eternal fruit of prayer. Thank you, Father. Go, to, go with me to James chapter 4, James chapter 4, James chapter 4, the eternal fruit of prayer. The um, Spirit of the Lord has been dealing with us about prayer over and over again. We, we've been thinking about it. We've been... Um, just laying before the Lord and really seeking the Lord as it relates to our church. And we've, we've had some times of fasting this past week. Shout out to all those who came out Tuesday and Thursday, fasting nothing but water. Some of y'all actually did break your fast after the prayer, but we ain't going to judge you. <laughs> Going to chicken shack and everything, but um, no, no judgment. Um, and and um, <laughs> we were giving you the rest. We're giving you the rest of August off. We're giving you the rest of August off to, to not fast, unless the Lord tells you otherwise. Um, but September comes, we're going to fast again, September 11th through the 17th. And those days, we'll, we'll have some time doing prayer. There'll be intense times of prayer. And my wife asked me, my wife is ministering today at KIC, Kingdom Insight Church. So we, we believe in God for, um, for the Lord to shine forth through her. But um, she said, when are you going you know, to end Tuesday and Thursday? I said, until Jesus comes. <laughs> I, I, said, I said, well, just whenever the Lord leads us otherwise. And so we're going to continue to pray and fast. Um, how many know that, that that's something that's missing in, our, in the church at large? It's prayer and fasting. The, the, my, my former pastor used to call it um, the dynamic twins, um, the duo. Fasting and prayer, they, it, go, it goes hand in hand. And there's sometimes when prayer is not enough, and that's when you do fasting. <laughs> All right. Um, the eternal fruit of prayer. James chapter 4. Let's jump down to verse 8. James chapter 4 verse 8 says this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. and Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And then it goes on and says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. 
do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks, you know, goes on, talks about the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you, the ju- if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one law, lawgiver and judge. He was able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Um, as I took some time to think about this passage, I actually was torn because I was like, why did the Lord, the Holy Spirit, move upon James the half-brother of Jesus, to write to believers to draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Then he turns around and says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart. And he just kind of like, and, and what, as, studying, as I was studying this, it, it speaks of repentance, that he's calling the church to repentance. It's not popular to call believers sinners and wretched, but here he's calling, this, this is written to the church. How do you know? Um, PD, because at the end, James chapter five, he talks about um, if you have a fault or if, if, you, um, if you're suffering, pray. If you're sick, call forth the elders of the church, let them pray over you. So this is dealing with in the church context, right? And so he's talking to believers, calling them to repentance. I mean, no, repentance, I, I heard some teaching, some false teaching that believers only repented at the time of salvation, but the life of the believer is a constant repentance. Be quick to forgive and quick to repent. I learned that from Kenneth e. Hagin. That unforgiveness will be the quickest way to shortchange your, your, um, your faith and to get your prayers unanswered. Recently, I, I, me and my wife, we had a discussion, a heavy discussion, not necessarily an argument. And in my mind, I, I believe that she was at fault. And in her mind, she believed that I was at fault. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, go and apologize to your wife. How many know that it might not necessarily be your fault all the time, but there are times that you, it's your, your attitude, the, the manner in which you talk to people, right? And he challenged me. Well, he didn't challenge me. He commanded me to do that. And I got some flowers and, um, and I apologized. And that was the end of that. So we got a baby coming in nine months. Um, so <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> Uh, um, James chapter four, uh, uh, James chapter four, let's look at verse six. Uh, It says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God oppresses the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So in prayer, um, prayer and fasting is some of the ways in which we humble ourselves. Humility, sometimes when people think about humility, they think about, um, you know, I'm humble. Oh, I don't want, you know, any prosperity. Oh, I shouldn't even ask the Lord for anything. That's not being humble. That's being stupid, right? Um, You know, God wants us to ask for things. He, He wants us to ask for big things. He wants us to ask for little things. And so here he says, humble yourself. And he says, he gives grace and more grace. I don't know about you, but I need some more grace. And the more I humble myself, the, the, the level of humility equals to the level of grace. So the more I humble myself, the more grace I will receive. Glory to God. Amen. So James, is, and then he goes on, he says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. I don't know about you, but one of the ways we submit to God is through his word and through prayer. We submitting ourselves, even the act of kneeling is submission. When you, when you kneel, and there are times that you need to lay prostrate before the Lord. You know what it means to lay prostrate? Just lay straight as you did before a king. They did in before a king back in the day. You lay prostrate and you submit. It's, it's a, a posture of the heart. Then when you kneel and you lay down, you're saying, God, you're God and I am not. You have made us and not we ourselves. You are king and I am not. That is the posture of the believer. He is our friend, but sometimes people have taken his friendship. I used to say this all the time. Jesus is not your homeboy. He's not to be so familiar with that you bring him down to one of your boys or your girls, but he, you are submitting to his Lord. 
The Bible says that Jesus is Lord. Every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you want to glorify God the Father, you confess and you acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus. Amen. And so submit, submit yourself some to God. If you're going through some challenges in your life, marriage, finances, singleness, um, drama, relationship, you humble yourself and you lay prostrate. The first place we should do and when we're, we're facing challenges is to humble ourselves. Amen. Humble yourself under the almighty hand of God. And what other what better position to humble yourself than to lay before the Lord? You and I are called to lay before the Lord. I know this is not popular among Christians. Some people are trying to make Christianity look cool. I do not want Christianity to look cool for the world. I've dealt with a lot of people and, and a lot of teenagers, and they are actually turned off about Christians trying to make Christ look cool. I've actually heard for a former coworker, she, she, actually, she, she doesn't like today's um, praise and worship and music. Um, she doesn't like the Mavericks and, and Elevation. She lives in North Carolina. Her brother and my brother grew up together, and we, we actually end up working together. And she was talking about her family, and she found out I knew her family. She's like, oh, forget everything I said. <laughs> um, she, she actually was attending Elevation for some time, and she would go after the praise and worship. She said, I don't like it. it, it just, it's just too much. It reminds me of where I came from. And she's like, I like the old choirs. And, and, you know, and then for a time, she went to an apostolic church. <laughs> she's like, yeah, they had wonderful praise and worship. I was like, oh, righty. <laughs> um, but we're not to make Jesus to look cool. We're not to, you know, that, 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 a life that is in obedience make, actually makes Jesus look really good. You know what I'm saying? It's not been cool. Like, I have never been the cool cat. You know what I'm saying? I, I, when I was a youth pastor, I was corny as corny can be, but yet kids would come to see me by the droves, you know, dozens and even hundreds. It, it, it's not, we, we are not trying to, you know, it, it, the world looks at stuff on the outside, right? And God looks at the heart. But this scripture tells us, submit yourself to God. You know, humbling yourself in prayer and humbling yourself under the word and humble yourself under spiritual authority, that that's part of making your submission to God. And then you can resist the devil. Sometimes people try to resist the devil, but they're out of order because they haven't submitted unto God. The amount of the devil that you can ex resist, let's read that so I can explain. It says, he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud. So if you're prideful, there is an opposition against God. God will sit on your prayers. He will resist your prayers. How many have ever, don't raise your hand. How many have ever had God to resist your prayers? I have. He will resist your prayers. Uh, and Peter says that when a husband does not deal rightly with his wife, that his prayers will go unanswered. That is volume. God will sit on your prayers and he will resist your prayers. And so here it says that God opposes the proud. So we actually need to go the other way. We need to learn humility. We're talking about the eternal fruit of prayer. But God gives grace to the humble. I heard Keith Moore say recently, he says, we shouldn't even use the word proud. Like I'm proud of you. He said, we really don't want to, and you may disagree with that, but he, he's, he's basically saying we don't want anything to do with pride. We don't. Pride is the very essence of Satan, the nature of Satan. Satan is a very powerful being. We, and Christ is the, the, the example of what humility is. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, it says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil, and he will flee. Notice, you can't just resist the devil without your submission to God. How are you, you doing the same thing that the devil has influenced his kids to do, and you're trying to resist them? Submit yourselves to God, therefore, to God and resist the devil. And then verse 8 is really what I'm trying to get to. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That is the greatest promise that I believe that is in the Bible. 
If we make the effort to draw near to God, he will draw near to us. If we'll take one step, he'll take two. There is nothing that can beat this deal. If you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Amen. Once, you know, God is attracted. Divine attraction. Humility draws divine attraction. When you're humble, God will draw near. The Bible says God loves the brokenhearted or a broken and contrite spirit. He loves humility. He delights in humility. Humility says, I'm totally dependent upon you. I can do nothing without you. There was a song years ago by Ty Tribbett called, um, I can't even brush my teeth without some of the lyrics. I can't even brush my teeth without you. And people made fun of it. But the reality is without his grace, we can't brush, his, brush our teeth. To think that you can make this life, your marriage, your children, your singleness, your grandchildren, your life, your, your money, all without God is, is, is very prideful. We can't make it without him. And when we talk, we've been talking about prayer, and when we're talking about the eternal fruit of prayer, we're actually talking about drawing near to God. If, 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 if you take this step, to walk towards a God, and he'll, he'll walk towards you. Um, 1 Corinthians 1.9, I said this a few times, this is part of our calling is to fellowship with Jesus. If you're born again, you have a relationship with Jesus. Relationship, again, is a matter of birth, but fellowship is a matter of choice. Go over there to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And let's look at verse 9. It says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. God is faithful. Everybody say, God is faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We've been called into this fellowship. God wants us to be in union and in fellowship with his son. You heard me emphasize it. I'm going to keep emphasizing it. If, if we're not intentional with our time with Jesus, the devil, the flesh, the world will make sure that we never spend any time with him. He, there are distractions. How I many know people could be distractions? Amen. Social media can be distractions. Our favorite shows could be distractions. Uh, our jobs can be distractions. Right? It, it, uh, is there something to be said when, when you make it a priority. We're called to pray for our needs and the desires and for others. Some of us are very selfish with our prayers. There are many aspects of prayer. Prayer is like a diamond. It has different facets. And you know, some people, some people are stuck on one, one facet of prayer or one aspect of prayer. But as we continue to grow in prayer, I'm telling you, our prayer, our prayer meetings have been out of this world. They're not always, back in the day growing up, it was a thing called intercessory prayer. Oh, let's go to intercessory prayer. My mom used to take me to intercessory prayer. But I'm of the, uh, I'm of the persuasion that we don't want to limit God to just intercession. There's some other types of prayers that we need to be praying we should not only just pray in tongues, but we need to pray with our understanding. And in praying with our understanding, we need to pray and, and, and really yield to the Spirit. So we, we, we will probably never call our prayer meetings intercessory meetings. We would simply call it prayer meeting because that's, we were, we're, we're yielding to the Holy Spirit to see what he, in, in the way that, in which he will yield, lead us to pray. Sometimes there is times of intercession. But some believers have made intercession the highest type of prayer. But it's really the, whatever the order of the Spirit is. Whatever he orders, that is the highest type of prayer at that time. Amen. Sometimes there will be times of thanksgiving. Sometimes there will be times of, of supplication. Sometimes there will be times of praise and confessions. It's not just one type of prayer, but it's all types of prayers. And I'm here to tell you that there is, I go to Ephesians chapter 6, there is in heaven, as we begin to, we are still a babe in Christ in prayer as, as a church. 
Let me say that again. We are still a babe in prayer collectively. In our corporate prayer, we're still operating as babes in Christ. But God wants to mature us. Amen? And there's some adventures in prayer. There's some other levels in prayers that God wants to take our church. This is probably the number one thread or, or, or message or theme throughout the history of this church is prayer. I, I've talked, I got more sermons on prayer than I do anything else because it's needed. And God has called us as a church to pray, um, not to complain, not to gossip, not, not to, to complain in prayer. Sometimes people, they complain in prayer. And I know we see David complaining and, and murmuring, but there are times that you don't, there are a lot of times that you don't need to pray. You don't need to pray the problems in prayer. You need to pray the answers. Amen. Give God his word back in prayer. Your, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to us this past week in prayer, and he said to bring our children to prayer. As busy as they are, they need to be trained in prayer. And I will submit that most Christians need to be trained in prayer. And these, the, the kids came on, uh, on Thursday. The Lord spoke to us on Tuesday, and we, and we brought our kids on Thursday, and we began to pray, and a couple of the kids are filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking tongues, and they're nine and t- or 10, they're both 10, and they prayed, and Destin was one of them, and he said, the first hour was good, but the second hour was horrible. <laughs> he was like, oh God, another hour? <laughs> Uh, and then at the end, we called the kids down to the altar, and we had the parents lay hands on their kids. How many know that you need to lay hands on kids? Jesus, and not just whooping them, right, spanking them. I'm talking about <laughs> blessing them. We need to take the—it's something about the laying on the hands. God uses the land. I don't lay hands often on purpose, right? I'm very careful. The Bible says, be, be, you know, I, I was misquoting it, but um, don't lay hands on anyone suddenly. And, and, and it's, it's very, I'm very careful about laying my hands on people because I don't want, when I'm talking about with sending them apart or even praying for them, I, I'm, I'm not quick to do that. I'm very, very careful. One time I was working this job and we were moving we were, the, the particular company I was part of, we actually moved, we were moving to another um, store and, and, and they were picking up shelves and my hands were right there. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, be careful of your hands. Don't let them, you know, crush your hands. Um, it, was, it was about to be an accident and I heard it really strong. How I many know there, there's something to the land on the hands? And we need to bless our children. Jesus Sometimes laid hands on children to just bless them. And we begin to lay hands on our kids and bless them. And then the kids start praying for our church and for each other. We need to train our children to pray. If your child can have a smartphone and they can operate that smartphone, they can control the remote control, they know how to do certain things, surely you could teach them how to yield to the Spirit and how to pray. Amen? Kids, children are really little people, and adults are really big kids. That changed my life forever. I've seen kids, uh, adults, if I've known them for years, the way they were when they were a kid, most likely, unless God intervened, they're going to be like that when they're adults. Children are little people, and you can teach children the gospel. You can teach children how to yield to the Spirit. You can teach children how to prophesy. You can teach children how to cast out devils. You can teach children how to live holy. The world wants your children. And so we have to be intentional in laying hands on our children and breaking the powers of darkness over our children, speaking life over our children. Amen. I began to pray for my children's pastors 
I began to pray for my children's wives. I began to pray for my children's children. Amen. It, it, stuff doesn't just happen just because. It, it, you have to be intentional, and you have to pray with eternity in, on your mind. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, it says, uh, start with verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. In other words, praying with all manner of prayers, all types of prayers to keep to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, with making for all the saints. We need to pray with all types of prayers. There's more than one type of prayer. And if you get stuck at one, then you need to allow the Spirit of God to get you free. Um, like I said, there are some believers who are stuck on one facet of prayer, on one aspect of prayer. I, I was part of a church. They prayed a lot in other tongues, but that's all they ever did. That's all they ever did. You, you, you and I are called to pray both in tongues and in with our understanding. God wants us to be well-trained in all aspects of prayer. There, there are other prayers that we need to pray, and there are believers who get stuck with one aspect of prayer. You know, God wants all of our lives, and he wants every word that you know, and he wants you to use it in prayer. Um, one aspect of prayer is praise and worship. Some only know about praise, but don't know very, know very little about worship. I mean, you know, there's other realms in praise and worship. Praise can do something that worship won't do, right? And one of the things I learned is that praise, when you ever had the enemy attack your emotions? Am I the only one? <laughs> and when your emotions are all over the place, praying in tongues will do little or nothing to your emotions. But praise will. Praise will actually suspend your emotions and sustain you doing whatever you're going through. Sometimes the reason why people drink or get high is because they are trying to drown their emotions out. Sometimes when people, they, they been watch television because they're trying to get their emotions out or they live on social media, they're trying to drown something in their emotions, maybe some type of hurt. But when you are praising and worshiping God, it will suspend your emotions while praying in tongues will produce permanent change in your life. So worship is a, uh, and praise and worship is a, a weapon against the, the, your emotions being high. You start praising God, you have a bad attitude, and you just start, Lord, I thank you, I praise you, and I worship, and it will sustain your emotions. So we need to utilize praise and worship. Praise and worship is, is one of the highest forms of prayer. When we praise and worship in God, we are making eternal fruit. And God, the Bible says in Revelation that God inhabits the praise. Well, in Psalms, he says God inhabits the praises of his people. But in Revelation, there is a, va a vase that he collects the prayers of the saints. And every thank you, Jesus, and every hallelujah, every I love you, Jesus, it's been collected. And God is taking great delight in that vase. Amen? Amen. Some people, their vase is very low. They don't, they don't really say thank you, Jesus, a lot. But we need to constantly be praised and worshiping God. Psalm 105 says, um, at all times I will praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. Amen. The Bible says he fills our mouths with good things. Part of the good things are praise and worship. Amen. As we speak his word back to him, as we begin to declare who God is, this will produce eternal fruit. Um, it's not, uh, prayer is not just always asking Jesus or asking the Holy Spirit or asking Father God for something. But it, the prayer includes praise and worship. The Bible says in Philippians 4, to, um, don't be anxious for anything but by everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You need some thanksgiving and some praise and worship in the mix. As you're mixing your prayers, and, and the Bible also says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that we're to pray for those who are in authority with all types of prayers and intercessions and, and, and supplications with thanksgiving. 
Thanksgivings, it actually says that with the, the S. And so we need to constantly cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving, thanking God for being the God who answers prayer. Amen? Amen. So praise and worship. And then again, intercession. Intercession is interceding for someone, going to God on the behalf of somebody else. Um, and there are times, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Galatians. Galatians. Thank you, Lord. Galatians chapter 5, 4, excuse me. Galatians chapter 4. We're talking about the eternal fruit of prayer. I, I don't think we get the most out of our prayer time. And, and one way, if you want to know if God is pleased with your prayer life, is that you're not, uh, if you're bored in prayer, then God is bored with your prayers. Yeah. Yeah, if, you don't, if you're not enjoying prayer time, he's not enjoying prayer time. And if you go to pray and your mind is all over the place, it, you, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Boredom is the result of you being out of the will of God. And when you're bored, you're not doing something right. And you're probably backslidden. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. Here's Paul praying for this church who got off with the gospel. They, they start believing another gospel. And he's travailing in prayer for Christ to be formed in them. God is more concerned about your spiritual life than your natural material needs. He wished that you would prosper, but only as your soul prospers. As your soul is transformed by his word, so he will give you what you need and even some things you desire. But he's more concerned about your spiritual state or the posture of your heart. It's nothing for God to cancel all your debts, but he wants to make sure that you have a heart of humility. He wants to make sure that you have the fruit of the Spirit operating in you. So here Paul is praying for Christ to be formed in them. Ephesians chapter 4, the eternal fruit. Actually, go to John chapter 15, and then we'll end it with Colossians chapter 4. John chapter 15, the eternal fruit of prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now let's start with verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. King James says, my father is the husbandry. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So God is in the business of believers producing fruit. Some Christians don't produce any fruit. So it, it, it either says they're not a Christian or they're not connected to the vine. We need to be growing, constantly growing. If you're not growing, you're what? You're going backwards. <laughs> you are regressing. You're either going in and growing in grace or you're growing in sin. Amen. You're either becoming more aware of your spirit and growing spiritually or growing in your fleshly desires. So here's, I'm the true vine, my husband. My father is the husbandry or the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch in me uh, that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. This, we're talking about eternal, the eternal fruit of prayer. And as you, as you begin to have a prayer life and really make your life prayer, then he begins to prune you of things that's been hanging on to you that's been a hindrance to your walk with Christ. Prayer positions us to actually um, become more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit uses prayer and the Word of God to conform us to the image of Christ. Let me say that again. The, the, the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and prayer to, to make us more like Jesus. And the more that you and I are like Jesus, the more we have a greater fellowship with Father God. Amen? 
Jesus and the Father have unhindered and, uh, and, and, and a perfect fellowship, ongoing fellowship. There's no hindrance. Sin separates us from God, and prayer actually presents us to get to know him better. Amen? He uses prayer to get his will done. He uses prayer to change us, and praying in the Spirit is a way in which he prunes us from things that should not be in our lives. See, there's some things that we barred from our parents, and there's some things we barred from the television and, and social media and words that were spoken to us and, 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 and habits that we, we grabbed from, from this friend and that friend, and we made part of our lives, and those things became a stronghold in our lives. There's, there's some things, there's some, and a lot of times people want to focus on generational curses, but it's really generational patterns things that we've, we saw growing up that wasn't right. And, and so the Holy Spirit goes after those things that are hindering us from becoming more like Jesus. Those strongholds, what is a stronghold? It is a way of thinking that is empowered by emotions. It is a way of thinking. Do you know that you think the way that you think because of the things that you saw, the things that you read, the things that you received? How many know the Bible boldly says that we don't see things correctly? We don't see things right. The world tells us to go after the money, but the Bible tells us to go after the Christ. Amen. Amen. The Lord, uh, there's some th strongholds, and many Christians never live the, victor the victorious life because they're bound by strongholds, ways of thinking. And I've seen it happen in churches. I've seen it happen in, in, um, in families and in companies. There are ways of thinking that is inconsistent with Scripture. And those things don't go away because you wish they never were there. <laughs> they go away permanently through the Word of God and praying in other tongues. The Spirit of God will enlighten every Scripture that you have and change the way that you think permanently. There are things that people say that, that may trigger something in us, right? There are things that people have, do, it does something to us. It sets us on a path. And really, if you pay attention to kids or grandkids, um, if you see some habits and some ways of thinking that isn't correct, you need to intercede and, and interrupt those ways of thinking. If you see them going in a certain way, you, you, you begin to correct it. And, it and think about it. You may be 30, 40, 50, 20, 25, 60, 70, 80. You, those ways of thinking do not go away over time. They get strengthened over time. Time does not heal everything. Actually, sometimes time actually works against us. And so... The more you give yourself over to the Word of God and the more you give yourself over to prayer, it releases the Holy Spirit to go and destroy those things. It doesn't take just five minutes. I mean, praying five minutes and in the Word five minutes, that's better than nothing. <laughs> but, but God is calling for more. And there's some things in us that need to be destroyed, and they can only be destroyed by the Word of God. Sometimes, years ago, they used to think that strongholds were things in over a city. I'm going to bind the stronghold, the strong man over Perth Amboy. It's, it's ways of thinking. It's, it's in, strongholds are in people. And it, and, and it takes a long, it takes a process, it's a process to renew that mind. That mind is renewed by word, the Word of God and prayer. The Holy Spirit takes the word. The more you pray in tongues, the more the Spirit of God will anoint your mind to understand the word, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Amen. It's not mentally agreeing with it. You, you begin to pray in the Spirit, and you find yourself praying and praying. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. You know, you're going on fast. Oh, Jesus didn't come and visit me. I didn't have a dream like Apostle Chad. I didn't give a prophetic word. See, prophetic words are only... So, so, so they'll do so, so much in your life. It's not enough to get a word from God. Um, you got you to gotta act on that word. And if you, have, you don't have the word, then you don't need a word. People are looking for prophetic words. And, 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 and they love, sometimes people capture me giving a prophetic word, and people will invite me just for that. And then when I get there, I don't give a word. I'm going to preach about the Bible and about spending time with God. 
uh, that, that's not popular. You know, people want miracles and they want healing and deliverance. But, but have you taken the extreme measures to get delivered? Have you baptized your, word, your mind in the word of God? He's calling us the eternal fruit of prayer. <laughs> um, let's go to verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. The word cleanses us. It cleanses our way of thinking. There's a way of thinking that is not right. The Bible says it like this. Every man thinks that they're right in their own eyes. Everybody thinks they're right. I think I'm right because I got the last name right. <laughs> uh, um, everybody thinks they're right. But it takes the word to reveal to us what's not right. And the more you pray, the more you come to church, the more you baptize your, your community with God in it, the more you realize things are not right with me. I don't care how great the motivational speaker what they're saying, they're, they're saying, oh, you're okay. Be a better version of yourself. No, be Jesus on the earth. Be a light. Come out of darkness. Come from that sinful habits. Destroy those ways of thinking. The reason why your marriage is not working right because your way of thinking. The reason why your money is not right is acting funny because of the way you think. The reason you don't get along with people on your job is the way you think. Changing the way we think through the fruit of eternal prayer. Jump down to verse, um, let's, uh, let's go. Abide in me and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You cannot bear fruit out of your willpower. There, there's something to be said about willpower. Willpower is very strong, but willpower does not deliver people. It is the work of the Spirit. It's through the mortification of the Spirit that we put to death the deeds of the body. There's some things that's lingering in our lives that can only be destroyed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can change a pig. You can clean it, give it a bath, and you can dress it up like a little girl. But the nature of the pig is to go back into the mud. You cannot change your nature just simply by willpower. I'm not going to cuss anymore. I'm not going to look at that anymore. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to act right with my spouse. I'm going to act right with my boss. You, there's only so much power, but it takes the power of the Spirit of God and producing eternal fruit. Let, let change happen. Change happens in the presence of the Word of God and the presence of prayer. The more you and I pray, the more we become like Jesus. And when you're in prayer and you continue to pray and all of a sudden you get a note of victory, a stronghold just went down. Amen. I've never preached like this in all my days in the last 20 years. I used to preach like this every, every time I went to prison ministry. Me and Brad had a prison ministry and I preached like this you ain't going nowhere because <laughs> you ain't got nowhere to go. <laughs> and then we would go to youth facility homes where kids were molested. Some of the inmates were molesting those kids. And I'm convinced they molested some of the kids we ministered to. And they're in there. We're preaching to them on Saturday. And then we're preaching on Wednesday to those kids who were abused and have behavior problems. And we couldn't, you know, of course, I want to get everybody filled. Couldn't do that because, you know, they were Baptists. And so we preached Christ. And I never forgot this young man. He was a Satan worshiper. He had a Satan, satanic book, had the, you know, the, the little um, symbols. And he would worship Satan every day. We preached Christ to him. He got born again, and he destroyed the books, the, that book, and destroyed those symbols. They said, we've never seen anything like this. And they asked us to come in every single week. The power of the gospel, Amen. God's power is present, and there's times in prayer you'll sense that the, the wind of his spirit will come in and blow the dust out of your life. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want God at all costs. If it costs me the rest of my life, I got, I, you can have the money. You can have the fame. You can have the, the likes. I want Jesus. Amen? 
And we got to go wholeheartedly after him. He came wholeheartedly after us, and so we're going wholeheartedly after him. Amen? Amen. We, I'm, not, I'm not settling for a nice little church with the church mothers with the hats on and chicken dinners and, and oh, we had church. But have, have we been changed? I, I, by faith, I started calling this place a place of change. A place of change. We're changing from glory to glory, from faith to faith, to strength to strength. His power, his anointing is increasing. Amen. Amen. And it's going to take prayer, fasting, and us baptizing the word. Baptizing the word. Our minds in the word. Amen. Training our kids to be radical. Training our kids to be prayer warriors and giving warriors and, and holy warriors. Having a life that will provoke persecution. Amen. Amen. Lord, keep us and preserve us. And may we never, always, my number one prayer is, Lord, hide us from prayer. I mean, hide us from pride. Hide us from pride. Hide us in the cliff of the humility of Christ. May we be clothed with the humility of Christ. May we never think that we're okay and we've obtained something. You know, I know a lot of people, but it's, it's, it's not a matter of knowing a lot of people. It's about knowing him. Amen? Amen. I, I promise you, I'm almost finished. Thank you, Lord. Give me two more verses. Here we go. It says, if anyone, verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask what you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. He's actually talking about prayer fruit. And so he's praying. He says, God is glorified when we have prayer fruit. And one of the prayers on our prayer directives back in the day, and we need to bring it back, is that we will have eternal fruit. One day, you and I are going to step into eternity just like that. I don't know when that day is coming, but it's coming to all of us. More people have died recently in the last two or three weeks on my Facebook post. It's ridiculous. People are leaving. But I don't want to just get to heaven. I want to leave with some rewards. And I want to get, get have, I want you to say thank you, Pastor, when we go to heaven, right? Because you got some rewards. It's not enough just to make it in. It, there's some churches that we just want to get to the harbors of heaven. No, we want to get to harbors of heaven with a bunch of people. We prayed this morning. And I think Ashley prayed this the other day. Lord, let us populate heaven. I want to populate heaven with a bunch of people. I want to get everybody saved. I mean, think about it. I don't care. You don't like me. I'm the oddball of the one in the family. I'm the one that is oddball. Yeah, bring me to the family reunion. I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to talk about you getting out of that lifestyle. You still, you still live. I got an uncle and aunt who's been shacking up for over 50 years. Got great grandkids <laughs> on their way to hell. How I many know it takes boldness to say, you need to repent. Stop smoking that marijuana. Not, I don't care if it is illegal. It's, it's, it, if it is legal, it's illegal with God. Anything that, that suspends your judgment is illegal with God. Come on. Including television. Including anger. Anger suspends your judgment. The Bible says, you know, people, be, be, you know, don't be angry and sin not. And they use that as an excuse to be angry. No, no, that's not an excuse to be angry. If you get angry, don't allow it to control you, basically. But in other words, have the fruit of the Spirit and control your emotions. I will refuse to be angry at you. No, I'm, I'm going to put on Christ. And I'm going to love the hell out of you. And I'm going to be here whether you like it or not. I'm not going nowhere. That, that's how you got to have that mentality. Amen? Last thing. Go to um, Colossians 4. Thank you, Lord. My, my former pastor, Pastor Dave Robeson, who, who's home with the Lord, he, he, he prophesied this to me. <clears throat> he said to me, he says, he said, um, and the Lord just reminded me of these prophetic words. He says, you know, you're not going to settle for a regular church, but you're going to go in and you're going to bring revival out. And I'm holding on to that prophetic word. That's over 20 years. And to this morning, we start praying for the loss, and we start praying and asking God to give us the loss for our inheritance. We have to become evangelistic in our mindset 
We gotta, God gives you favor with people, not so that you can just be buddy-buddy. They, they, they really don't like you. <laughs> they like the Jesus that you represent. Amen. Everybody who likes me likes Jesus that I represent. You know, oh, I like you. No, you like the Jesus. So let me explain to you how you can have a relationship with him. Every relationship that I have is because of Jesus, and I want to draw that person to Jesus. Um, a brother just shared with me that him and his wife are separated, and, and I said, I'm praying for y'all to reconcile. He said, brother, I don't know. I said, I'm praying that you reconcile. You need to be the head of that house, and you need to lead your wife into the presence of God. You do not need to leave that broken, that, that sinful legacy of divorce. And you got to go in with, you got to stop saying, using the D word around your marriage because you have what you say. I, I, I will never say, I'm going to divorce you, even if I feel like that. <laughs> Don't ever say that. That's, that's cuss words. That's worse than the bad words that we, people say, not me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we got we to gotta be careful. Like, no, we're not saying that. We, we're into, you know, I, I'll never forget this young man. Oh, I got to get married. I got to get married. He go get married. And then he's like, oh, I, you know, I realize she's not the one. No, you got to stay in that. For the glory of God and for the sake of your children, he ended up leaving her. It's just, It's crazy. I, th I think that we don't have a kingdom mindset, internal mindset, and it's like, you know what? Are we really glorifying God? Maybe God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy, so he puts you together with somebody who's difficult. <laughs> Colossians 4, I'm, I promise this is it. It is not about your happiness. It's about his glory. It's not happy wife, happy life, happy God, happy life. Amen. We, it's not, I'm not trying to please Courtney. Uh, I said, I love Jesus more than I love you. I would rather die than to love you more than love Jesus. <laughs> that makes her feel really emotional. You, oh, wow, he really loved me. <laughs> Listen, if, 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 if you're going to stop me from loving Jesus, I'd rather die. I'd rather, I'd rather die than to love the one who died for me, than to love you more than the one who died in my place. That's strong, but that's how radical you got to be with your faith. This is the same PD who was at four years old, eight years old, asked her, I'm radical. I was preaching to my little friends. I said, you're going to go die and go to hell. They go back and run. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm leading, leading teachers to Christ, getting people filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, girl, girl, one girl, she's like, I got lust for you. And I said, I got lust for Jesus. <laughs> I did. God is my witness. I, it was in Trenton. Trenton. Journey number two. She was loose. And she was like, <laughs> she was like, I got lust for you. I said, I got lust for Jesus. Jesus is a lust buster. And he'll bust that lust up. I mean, I, I was around. I mean, it, I've come down over the years. But I'm telling you, that fire is back. <laughs> it's back. I would go into the, the hearts of, in the, in the streets of Camden, preaching. Me and my friend Carrie, we were driving around Willenboro, preaching to people, stopping and seeing a bunch of kids. You need to get saved. Yeah, I mean, praying for people. We did that all the time. <laughs> and guess what? That's back. <laughs> I'm ready to take a bunch of us on the streets of Perth. And I'm not afraid of the devil. If I die, let me die doing his will, trying to get you saved. <laughs> Amen. Colossians 4, this is my last scripture. You know, we, we got, if we could sit for three hours and, and watch a movie, we can stay in the church for three hours and hear the word of God. I'm not preaching today for three hours. I'm just saying. <laughs> Amen. Let's change our mentality because revival is coming. I've been studying about um, William Daddy Seymour, and I'm telling you, my life is changing as I read about this, this, this humble servant of God. And I'm like, God, I want more, more. I want more than what he had. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 12, Ephesians 4, verse 12. Epaphras, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all of the will of God. That it has been the number one, it seems like that's the theme of our prayer life now, prayer time, is that we may stand completely in the will of God, mature. We need to mature in God's will. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's going to be uncomfortable. I wanted to name today's message called Uncomfortable Seats in the Secret Place. And God is going to make us uncomfortable for his glory. 
If you're uncomfortable right now, wait until a few weeks from now. Wait till a few months from now. God is going to make us uncomfortable for his glory. There's some, we, we, we're too familiar with PD. We're too familiar with KLM and 205 New Brunswick Avenue. We're too familiar with praying in tongues and, and too familiar with fasting and meditating and confessing the word. We're too familiar with giving our tithes and offering and evangelism. But that God is, God, God is going to burn some things up that shouldn't be. He's going to shake some things up. Amen. And, and, and you got to be open for the shake-up because he's going to shake us down with his glory. Uh, he's going to change our mindset and set us free. We've been in bondage too long. We've been stuck too long. You know, church is not just for our social, emotional um, needs, but it's, it's for the glory of God. And when we come and meet together, he wants to show up and show out and do surgery on us and get rid of that bad stuff and bad habits and foul mouth and foul attitude and change us True change comes from the presence of God. And every time we come together, we are meeting with God. Revival doesn't happen because we want revival and we have people falling out. No, we change. He wants transform, transform, transformation. He wants change minds and transform hearts and hearts that are ablaze for God. He wants us to be on fire and a, a city set up on a hill so others can be born again. Amen. He has set us apart for his glory and he's He's not pleased with us having this passive Christianity. He's going to lead you to turn off the shows, cut off the streaming services. He's going to call you to more times of prayer. Is it okay? You can do it. I'm not saying you can't do it, but don't be surprised. He shake up your world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just close your eyes and lift up your hands because his fire is here now. I thank you for the fire of God. I thank you for the anointing. It is the anointing that destroys the yoke. It is the anointing. Come on, st join me standing. It is the anointing. I thank you, Father, for hitting this place like, like never before. I thank you for the power of God being released into marriages and singleness and children and parenting. And thank you, Father. Change us, oh God. Come on, cry out. Change us. Permanent change. Holy Spirit, change change us. Change us into the image of Jesus. Turn up the fire of our prayer life and the word life and fasting life. Lord, I pray that we'll be more like Jesus like never before. We're asking for more of Jesus, God. Oh, pour out your glory on us, God. Pour out your glory upon us, God. Change us, oh God. Change us, oh God. We need change. We won't change, God. Oh God, give us more like Jesus. Make us more like Jesus. Thank you, Father. Set us afire, Father. Oh Lord, we cry out for your fire. God, change us. Burn up the things that are not like you. Lord, even as the older saints used to say, take things out of us that is not like you, Father. Bad attitudes and bad habits, wrong from thinking, Father. Oh, we release the Holy Spirit into our ways of thinking, Father. Oh, destroy those strongholds. In Jesus' name, change our marriages for the glory of God. Change our parenting for the glory of God. Change our, our, our work ethics for the glory of God. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you for change, God. Change is coming to KLM. Change is coming to KLM. I thank you for that change. We are target for your change for the glory of God. We are target for your change in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost being released in our lives. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father, for intercession here in this church, supplication here in this church, thanksgiving and praise and worship hitting this church, God, fasting hitting this church, and the spirit of evangelism hitting this church, God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I praise you. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for changed hearts, change minds, change relationships, change, change us, God, change us, change us, God, change us, God. Father, change us, wrong for thinking about ourselves, wrong for relationship with money, wrong for relationship with employees and employers, wrong for mindset, God, set us, a fr set us free, God, deliver us from us, God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, thank you, Father, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. I thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, may, may, may our zeal never die out. In Jesus' name, Lord, may our zeal never die out. May we be more fire on God, more hungry for God than we've ever been before, God. Restore the hunger. Restore the fire. Restore the mindset, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. Come on, let's just praise him a little bit more. Minister Frank, come on up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. And as we begin to launch this youth ministry, as we begin to launch this youth ministry, I thank you, Father. I thank you for the youth ministry changing the course, just changing the course of this city. Thank you, Father. Children's ministry changing the course. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you as we start evangelism outreach, God. I thank you for change, God. Thank you for the right person, that, that evangelist you've called here, to lead a team to take the city. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We'll take the state, Father. We'll take the coast, for it, Father. We'll take the United States. Thank you, Lord. We'll take the world. Thank you, Lord. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.